Welcome to another episode. I am your host, W-I-Z-E. I'm, I'm excited for my next guest, but make sure you tune, uh, you subscribe, like, share on YouTube, Facebook, wherever platform you're watching us on. So let's just jump right into it. Welcome to my show. He's a financial expert. Oh, man, he has an amazing story. I'm excited. Welcome to the show, Chad Hufford. Hello. Hey, thank you so much, Wise. It's great to be here. It's a, it's a pleasure to join you and your audience. Uh, thank you for being here, man. Thank you. So let's, let's just jump right into it. Um, so you, you, was, you grew up in Anchorage, Alaska. How did your upbringing influence your passion for both finance and outdoor adventures? Okay. So I think, I think that idea of adventure is really important because uh, Alaska, in a lot of ways, really is the, the last frontier. In fact, I was just flying up here from L.A., last week and it was with a guy that was going to do this like survival course up here and he's lived in la his whole life you know it's completely different world right and i just was reminding him like he'll be in in these situations where you just forget like you you get so you get in the wilderness it's so rugged it's so raw you forget like this is 2023 like it, it brings you back and you're just reminded how harsh and unforgiving nature can be so i think growing up in an environment like that it 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 ins- it heightens your sense of adventure and freedom and and really wanting that from an early age wanting something different wanting to feel that i had autonomy and agency and again that that freedom and i think adventure is something that is inside of all of us you think of like a little kid and they everything turns into an adventure a treasure hunt you know they're a pirate they're a uh uh escaping from bad guys or they're chasing bad guys or something you know and i've got i've got little kids so i see this all the time but i think our sense of adventure and wonder and excitement slowly kind of gets pressed out of us you know it it almost gets uh trained out of us educated out of us and i think living in a place like this helped keep a lot of that alive i think it's it's part of what made me want to start my own business start my own practice and to be honest it's just it's an incredible place to live it's not easy i mean it gets it gets cold the winters are long uh we were blessed to be able to get out thought and thaw out a little bit in the little uh in the middle of winter but it really is a tremendous place to grow up tremendous place to raise a family so what what got you into finances what 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 led you to that aspect it's a really it's a really good question and it was i have a very very interesting and, and, and seemingly disjointed path into the world of finance. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the short version. Uh, my dad was in finance uh, starting in the 70s, even before I was born. So I grew up and so blessed to grow up hearing these financial lessons. Uh, one of your more recent guests, Wally, was talking about her experience and not having that. You know, She had to learn a lot of this on her own. I was blessed to be able to to learn from somebody who who did a lot of what I do on a professional basis. I just use that as a, as a jumping off point. Um, and I also learned a lot from the mistakes of the folks that he worked with, even some of his own investments, things that he, my dad wishes he would have done differently or could have done better. Um, he was pretty open about those things, which is not always the case. A lot of times financial discussions can be taboo, especially within a family. Um, but my degree is actually in biochemistry. I, I went to school um, with with the, I was really interested in, in endocrinology, but what I thought I, what I really want to do is be a hotshot surgeon. And then I met the woman who is now my wife and 
what she wanted was a family. She wanted a husband. She wanted kids, not a hotshot surgeon. And when I, when I, it deepened my core, what I've realized is I want to empower people. I want to help people overcome feelings of, of helplessness, to make them feel like they have agency and a sense of, of control and influence and in how their life is mapped out. Um, in, in, in surgery would be a way of doing that, helping repair something that's broken and giving people uh, a chance to get back to how things were. Um, finance is just another way of, of accomplishing that same thing, to allow people a life of more freedom and abundance. So it's it, it really, I think, goes back to the core of, of who I am. Uh, but again, blessed to have years and years and years growing up learning those lessons. And in fact, all the science and chemistry background has still been really helpful because those disciplines force me to create uh, a construct to have a lot of different variables and figure out how to fit them all together. Because when I meet with a family, when I meet with a couple, when I meet with a, an organization even, there's so many different moving parts. And we're trying to make sense of that, get all the, the pieces of their financial puzzle to fit together. So I think it served me well, even though biochemistry, uh, I, I trained some athletes, some professional athletes, some Olympic athletes, very into nutrition and fitness. I'm sure I'll probably throw out a couple of metaphors throughout our conversation, but like all these things, I was able to fit together and create a pretty unique foundation for coaching people and finances, um, helping them invest, but really helping them find more freedom and abundance in their life. That, that was, that was going to be my next one. It's because you, 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 like you said, you trained athletes and all this other stuff. What is the difference between what, what, what do you really realize? Do you notice the difference between teaching an athlete and someone finances? What's is there like, or is, is there something similar, or, or do you teach it in a similar fashion? It's so similar. That's a great question. It's so similar. It's unbelievable because you're training the individual. Now I, I know, wise, you you're interested in the the that you do some production, some recording, and things like that. I am not tech savvy at all. I have my kids help me through a lot of this stuff, figure out how to use my phone. They're teaching me stuff every day. Like, Dad, do you know your phone can do that? Like automatically, you don't need to figure all this out. And anyways, you could put me in your studio and I wouldn't even know where to start. Now I can have all those tools at my disposal, but if I don't know how to use them, if I'm not operating them properly, I'm not gonna get much out of them. In fact, I might, I might mess up stuff, right? And same thing happens like in a training facility. You could take, you could take a, a random selection of people, let's say 100 people, give them access to the, the best training facility in your town. And in a year, almost nobody would have improved their athletic performance significantly because most people aren't going to get the most out of what those tools can provide. Um, so it's not just providing access to the tools, the right training equipment, the right um, exercise equipment, uh, the, the right, uh, recovery equipment, things like that is being able to use them and having a consistent plan for implementing them. And the same thing happens in finances. There's, there's great tools, there's great investments, but people don't stick to them or they at least not sticking to them long enough to get the results that they want. Just think of somebody going to the gym, like, you know, they start in January, right? And they're all excited. They're gung ho. They buy all the gear, they buy all the stuff, they buy uh, a program, they, they get a, a virtual trainer. And I mean, January, they're in the, the gym like five days that first week, 
Second week of January, they hate their life. Like, I'm so sore and miserable. This is terrible. By February, a lot of those people are done. They've quit. It, there's nothing wrong with the gym. There's nothing wrong with their program. But they didn't stick to it long enough. And, and that's how finances are. People often misuse, maybe try to jump into something too quickly, but then they, it's not sustainable. They're not able to execute those principles long enough to get the results. So I think there's, there's so many parallels and that's why I'm so grateful that I had that opportunity to work with very, very high level athletes and, and get into that performance psychology. Cause I borrow a lot of that stuff that I learned and, and use it, use it in finances. Okay. Um, so like you said, you're an entrepreneur. What inspired you to establish Verita's Wealth Management and what sets your boutique firm apart from other others in the financial industry? So I think I, I think I was always kind of born to to have my own business. Um, even even when I have worked for other people, there were jobs where I have a lot of freedom and autonomy and it's something I really value. My dad was self-employed the entire time, uh, my entire childhood. So I never, I never knew him to have a, uh, I mean, I was gonna say a nine to five job. Um, he had a nine to five job, but it was, it was his own practice. Um, it was, he was a one man show. He, he didn't quite, uh, have the, the scope that we have right now today, but he still, he made his own hours. He called his own shots. That was something that was always very valuable to me. I was homeschooled as well. And this is back in the eighties, long before it was popular. I don't know if it's ever become cool, but it certainly wasn't in the eighties. It was weird. You know, we were, we were pioneers. We were making up as we went. So I've always had this mindset, like you don't have to follow everybody else's path. It's, it's okay to try new things and to trip and to fail and pick yourself up and, and learn the lesson from it. So I think I carried a lot of that into this financial planning practice. Um, and then to your second question about, you know, what makes a boutique, what sets it apart, what makes it different, uh, or what makes it different is I think a lot of what I learned early in my career that it isn't just giving people the right investments. It's actually helping them become a better investor because I started in 2007, 2008, and you remember what was going on in the world, you know, global recession. People were losing jobs left and right. It was, uh, it was, it was scary. Right. And, and, and people's investments, they've been, been building up for years and years and years were maybe cut in half in the period of, of just a few months. And people wondered if, you know, they were thinking, Oh, one day I want to retire. Now they're worried about being bankrupt. Right. I mean, just, it was completely shifted and, and people made wise, horrible mistakes. They, they, they panicked and they, they did things, they caused themselves irreparable damage financially. And it wasn't so much that what they had was broken. And in some cases it was like some people were, were out there in investments they never should have been in, but there were a lot of people that fled perfectly good investment strategies, perfectly good mutual funds, perfectly appropriate financial plans, but they got, they got panicked. They scared, they were scared out of them and they abandoned their pathway. And that's, that's when people need to push forward. That's when they need to really stick to it when it's the hardest. So that's what, that's what we do is we don't just help people find or, or engage a better investment strategy and a better financial plan. We actually help them become a better investor and hopefully a better person in the process. 
because uh, it isn't just about money. You can be, I've sat down with multimillionaires who still live in scarcity. They still don't experience freedom. They might be worth $10 million and they've worked so hard to build it up, but now they're just so afraid of losing it. They still can't enjoy the freedom that it could provide. So we really focus a lot on the mindset and the perspective on money. And again, it's, it's, it's grabbing a hold of this and holding on especially during hard times. And the, the metaphor I'll give you, or the, the story I'll give you, uh, goes back to training. Uh, Muhammad Ali was interviewed uh, back in the early 70s. I can't remember which fight he was training for, but maybe, as you remember, like he, he didn't have this huge knockout power. He was finesse and he would wear people down. He had incredible conditioning. And the guy that was interviewing asked him, like, about his routine. What does he do when he talked about the push-ups, the sit-ups, a lot of calisthenics, was a lot of weights. It was just a lot of body weight, you know, pull-ups, things like that. And so the guy asked him, like, how many, so like, how many push-ups and sit-ups do you do in a workout? He said, I have no idea. Muhammad Ali's like, I have no idea. And the guy's like, you don't, any idea you don't count? He's like, I count, but I don't count until, until it starts to hurt. Those are the only ones worth counting. And I think a lot of times in life and in investing, it's, once the pain starts, it's what we do once things get painful. That's when it really counts. And investing is no different. Um, but you can provide people with tremendous investments. But if they don't have the mindset to stick with it, I think I think the financial advisor, financial planner is only doing half the battle at best. Yeah. And, and, and it's, it's crazy because, like you said, not a lot of us from our generation, we weren't you were lucky enough that you had someone who knew about finances. A lot, yeah. a lot of us didn't come from homes where we learned about finance. My mom has no, no knowledge on, on banking and, and balancing a checkbook. She came from Puerto Rico. She, she, she barely speaks English. So we, I, it was like, like Wally, a lot of the things that I had to learn on my own, a lot of uh, learning about 401ks, Roth IRAs, doing. And so what is it? Or is that is that something you talk to your clients about is teaching their children? Yes. So it's a it, it's a love what you just said there, you know, because it just reminds me of how precious and special that is. But also the the duty that I believe I have to use what I was given and share that with others. Because if I stop just when I have, when I'm comfortable, like I, I believe it's a precious gift, gift from God that, that he provided me with that education, that background, and not just the background in finance, but the time in, in athletic training and coaching and things like that, to be able to mold those uh, two together or, or merge those two together, I should say, and provide that construct for others. And I realize that what I've been given is incredibly special. and. Uh, my wife grew up completely opposite. She remembers having Christmas and homeless shelters. I mean, she grew up with no financial literacy. Um, her parents both to this day do very self-destructive things when it comes to their own finances. They're, um, they've set themselves up very, very poor. They've set themselves up for failure to be, to be quite honest. I'm just being real and raw with you right now. Um, so she came from the exact opposite and being able to to look at our kids. In fact, my oldest daughter turned 15 today. I can't believe it happened so fast. But uh, but instilling those lessons in them and for your audience, even if they didn't have that background, 
just encourage them to pass this on to the next generation. Uh, I'm, I'm in the process of writing a book right now, and we're interviewing hundreds of, of folks from the oil and gas industry. And the reason I use oil and gas just because there's some unique challenges and struggles that they have that, that kind of magnify the financial frustrations that everybody deals with. But we're interviewing these folks and the, the, the people who are in the best positions financially and have the best mindset, the best perspective on money. When I ask them at what point did they start thinking about planning for the future, planning for their own financial independence, almost to a man and woman, it goes back to a moment or a conversation in, in childhood. And I'm not, I'm not talking like 15, 16, even it's often like eight, nine, 10. I had a guy in my office, 69 year old oil worker. I mean, this guy was blue collar, roughneck. I mean, super, super smart. Don't get me wrong. But I mean, the guy just worked hard for a long time. He was a man's man. He's in my office in tears talking about a moment between him and his dad. He was describing this. It happened. It happened. Uh, I'm trying to remember how old he was. It was, it was like 58, 59 years ago that this happened. And he was describing the green stove and, and where the, the chair was, and where his dad was sitting and where the counter was and where the table and the kitchen and all these different things was so vivid in his mind. He's like, that's when the light bulb turned on. And, and I think we, we do the next generation a disservice when we don't share our wins and our failures with them. So I, I think it's a, it's a great question. And it's, it's something we're encouraging our folks to do. And it's one of the reasons of, of doing these podcasts is so is people can, they can listen with their kids in the car. They can talk about it, get these financial discussions going, get that stuff out in the open. It, these aren't, these aren't, uh, finance doesn't need to happen uh, behind closed doors. It doesn't need to happen in a silo. I believe finance should be a team sport and that's what we're trying to do and trying to promote. Yeah, no, it's definitely something that um, people need to learn about and especially being able to teach their children and be able to have that because it, it's, it's just it's just great. And and it's, it's amazing because I know a lot of young adults right now who are into investing, who learned about finances, who, who are who are really into it. And I'm like, I, I wish I would I was sort of like them in a way, but I, and then I look at the time, I'm like, it's a completely different time now. They have access to tools that we didn't have when we were growing up. So it, it's it's different time for them. And it's and it's like, I, I hear some of these kids talk about, yeah, I, I got this much in this stock, I got this much in this. And it was, and I'm like blown away because this is, at their age, that's what, I wasn't thinking about that. And I think it cuts, I think it cuts two ways, right? So number one, there's a lot more information out there. It's so much easier to get information. Uh, <laughs> your last guest was teasing you about looking up stocks in the newspaper. People are like, yeah. what is a newspaper? Like you and I remember that. Like I remember as a kid, like I could not wait to get the paper, look up box scores from like yeah. baseball, football, basketball games from the day before. That's how I started on the back of the paper yeah. with the sports section. <laughs> You're just diving through it, right? Now kids are like, no, like I'm following live on the, I know exactly everybody's stats. Like my kids can't even relate. But so the information is, is there, but the problem is there's a lot more distraction too. And I think a lot of people are growing up gambling and speculating with their money, not realizing that they're not investing. And so one of the things we try to teach folks is not all data is information, not all information is knowledge and not all knowledge is wisdom. 
And what we're trying to do is help people filter out the data and the information so they can create knowledge and wisdom. Because there are some very, very intelligent people that know a lot that still make terrible financial decisions because it's not always a knowledge problem. Again, it's a mindset, it's a belief pattern. Um, there's a McDonald's right next door to my office. I use this, this, this uh, metaphor, a lot of metaphor, but this uh, introduction a lot because nobody is pulling in there thinking that they're about to make a great health decision. We know what's in there. Yeah. We know it's not good for us. But people show up in droves. In fact, in the mornings, sometimes there's a line like out around the corner down the street where people are starting out their day with what they know is going to be a poor detrimental decision, but they do it anyway. So knowledge is important and we need people like Wally that are out there putting that knowledge out there, people like Dave Ramsey, but it, but also I think takes a coach, somebody who's going to create an investment plan because there's a huge difference between and this goes so far beyond finances. What I'm about to say, but let's just talk about finances for a moment. So there's a huge difference between somebody who is strategically investing towards a desired outcome and somebody merely collecting investments. So a lot of these young kids right now, they're out there, you know, they got a Robinhood account or something like that. They're kind of collecting investments. They're dabbling in it. They're playing. It. It's more of a game and entertainment than it is a long-term strategy. And, and that can be dangerous. Now there's some good to it because at least they're thinking about it. Right. Mm -hmm. But, but again, they're not strategically building towards a specific objectives, towards a specific plan. And, and again, this goes way beyond finance. I think a lot of people live their life without a strategic objective. They're just collecting information, collecting things, collecting degrees, collecting whatever, but they're, they're not actively working towards something out there in the future that is meaningful and purposeful. And, and that, you know, that's health, that's, that's relationships, that's finance, that's, that's business. There's so many variations on that theme, but definitely in the world of finance, we see that in more and more of a problem. Uh, in fact, I just had a meeting uh, Friday right before I left for the weekend. And these people, they've done a great job saving, but their investments are scattered all over the place. And they told me that there's no rhyme or reason. We don't know what to do. We just know we need to invest. We're throwing money accounts. We hope we're hoping for the best. And we tell people hope, hope is great on a Hallmark card. It doesn't make for a good investment strategy. Yes, you need to have hope, but you also need a plan. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's, and that's that's the problem with a lot of people now that that they don't have that financial plan for the future. Like that's why you still you see so many people who are supposed to be retired working at Walmart, working at other places because they didn't plan financially for their future. And so that's why I, I wanted to have you on so we can share this message, so we can have this out there, so people can tune into this podcast or connect with you somehow and learn that that's why I do the podcast is to be able to provide this information, to be able to provide a platform for people like yourself to come on and talk about these things, because it, it's something that people really need to learn and, and really need to focus on. Well, I appreciate that. And I think it's obviously I'm biased, but I think it's such an important message to get out there. And I would just tell your audience, you know, if you don't know where to start, start with the end. What do you want life to look like? What, what, so you, you've, you've talked to some entrepreneurs and things like that. And, um, and again, I mean, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur, so I, I love those conversations, but you don't have to be an entrepreneur 
to build financial independence. You don't even, you don't even have to have a great job. We've got truck drivers that are multimillionaires. We've got welders. We've got plumbers. Um, we work with a lot of blue collar industries, a lot of oil field folks that, you know, they might have a college degree. They might not. They make really good money. They work super hard and they're diligent and they're patient. But when, when somebody doesn't know where to start, we, we want them to start with what would financial independence look like and this idea of a work optional lifestyle. Not necessarily that they're going to retire. In fact, some of our folks that work a typical nine to five, when they get to a place of financial independence, that's when they go open their business because the business doesn't have to make money right away. They have income coming in from their investments. If the business makes money, great. If it doesn't, they're helping people and they're doing what they love. But we get, get to this place where people come up with an estimate of how much money that they would need hitting their checking account every single month to be able to give up their paycheck and still live comfortably, not to survive, but to still live comfortably and do the things that they don't have time or money to do right now because they're going to work every day. So it's that, that idea of, again, a work optional lifestyle, financial independence, not necessarily retirement. The types of folks that we work with wise are probably the worst types of people to retire, sit around and do nothing. They're, they're retiring to something, not just from something. And a lot of times they have, they want to retire so they can go and do this other thing. Um, I told you we work a lot with oil folks. These men and women, sometimes they're up on the North slope. This is above the Arctic circle, like North pole, Santa Claus land, right? <laughs> Six months out of the year, it can get 40, 50 below. They may not hardly even see the sun their entire shift. I say their sun, the, the sun, S so, yeah, the S-U-N. sun, like yeah. the sunshine, like it's dark, dark in the winter. But they, on the same lines, though, they don't see their kids. They don't see their wife. They're missing recitals and baseball games and and a lot. They're missing their community, their their church, their friends. Um, they don't want to do that until they're 70 years old. Right. So they want to know, like, how can I how can I get financial dependence relatively early in life? So I can do something different. So I'm not tied to that. So a lot of times that that job, that career becomes a means to an end. We're, we're finding a win, an objective that's much more meaningful than just quitting work. Right. So back to what I was trying to explain earlier is beginning with the end in mind, coming up with an estimate of how much income somebody would need to no longer have a paycheck, to no longer need their job. is a great place to start because what it does is it gives you an objective. Now we can reverse engineer that and say, it's going to make something up. Let's say somebody, they need $5,000 a month kind of for basic living expenses. They want an extra $1,000 a month for travel and, and amenities, right? So 6000 a month. And they want financial independence in 10 years. So we can adjust that number for inflation. In about 15 minutes, we can actually back that out and say, okay, here's what you're going to need to be financially independent from an investment standpoint, and then and, and create a pathway to it. Just like you know, you would build a house, you'd start with the end in mind. Like, what is, what does this house need to look like? What does it need to do for you? And then you create a blueprint that connects your actions today, what you're building in this moment to what that future product, that, that future financial house is going to look like. And, and that's really important too, not just from a, a tactical standpoint and a strategic standpoint, but also from a psych- psychological standpoint, because when people are, are putting money in their 401k, their Roth IRA, some of the other vehicles that you mentioned, they're literally paying the future version of themselves. But that's a really 
abstract concept like future me future wise like we we don't we don't know these people we haven't met them so to have a blueprint a pathway a plan that connects what you're doing today with where you want to be and who you want to become in the future is really really important it keeps people motivated it keeps them on track keeps them doing what they need to do awesome awesome so um so you're 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 a father of six so that I'm sure that they, that keeps you busy as well and active and and so with that is do you see like do you see your kids getting into into finances or so we we talk about this stuff I try to overwhelm them with it because I as you can tell I get excited about it I'm passionate about it I can talk yeah. about stuff all day um but I, I realize this is for some people, finance is a means to an end. It's just a tool. Yeah. They they're they're more about what the tool can do, what they can provide for them than the tools themselves. I'm excited about both. But you know, I'm hoping with six of them, at least one or two want to follow in my footsteps, right? Um, because the the mindsets, the principles of building wealth and financial independence carry over into so many other areas of life. I do want my kids to learn those principles and we talk about them a lot, but I also realize that they can take that and they can put that in almost any other industry, any other career path, successful, they can yeah. put that to help the relationships and still benefit. So I want them to learn it. I want them involved in my, my 15 year old daughter starting to get a little bit involved. In fact, we had a nice discussion uh, a couple of days ago just about some of the things that I was doing and, and kind of the vision for the company and things like that. Not that I want her to make a career out of it, but I want her to taste it and understand it and, and see, like, is this something that I could get excited about? Or am I can take what I can learn from dad and then apply that to my passions over here. And I think for her specifically, um, she'll probably end up somewhere in the hospitality industry, I'm guessing you know, running a bed and breakfast or running a cafe or a coffee shop or, or a restaurant or something like that. I, I think that's, or doing like event planning. I think that's really where her heart is. Um, but there's certainly elements that she can take from this. So it's a long winded way of answering your question, but I, I, I would love it if a couple of my kids wanted to make a career out of financial planning and, and wealth coaching, but, um, it's more giving them the tools and the mindset and then allowing them to take that because it's it's any area of life any industry it can make a powerful impact yeah definitely because it it it's showing them the discipline it, it's showing them how to be disciplined and and apply it to whatever like you said whatever they feel like they want to take their path on and it, it's because like um i, I got uh two two wonderful kids they're older and uh two great stepdaughters and um and i wish i had the knowledge that i'm learning now within the last few years prior so i could start so i could show them all i can do now is show them what i'm doing now and 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 how and, and how to apply that now and and tell them hey check out the podcast check out this person it's a great topic it's like i had a wonderful conversation with wally it, it was we, we we had we come from similar backgrounds we're both from new york city we both didn't know anything about finances so to see how her experience with it and how 
what she did and and how she she like there was things I just wasn't buying and she's like I wasn't spending on on anything I was just being frugal on certain things yes I would go out and buy things but she said I made sure I wasn't spending unnecessarily and 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 it made sense it was like okay all right so with you knowing knowing all this in advance and all that when when you decided to do the sh- to do the shift from like you was coaching athletes and all that and everything did you know like that this was going to be a purpose that you wanted to help as many people as possible was get out of financial debt get out of get into financial freedom uh, i think deep down i knew that it was about helping people create a life of freedom and abundance. And, and I thought that, that finances was going to be a part of that. Um, to be perfectly honest, the way I started, when I started, there's a lot of limiting beliefs and I had a hard time sometimes believing that, uh, it was ever going to be what it is today. And I am so blessed that not only do we have great people around me, a great team, we're impacting a lot of lives. We have phenomenal people we work with. The families we work with are amazing. They invite other families in on our events. They introduce us to other amazing people. Um, and I, I, I couldn't always see that. Um, there was some pretty dark times. Um, there were some times where I was, I was really struggling. Did I make the right decision? You know, um, should I, should I, I had a professor, I'll try to make the story quick. I had a professor who is, a uh, the, he was a professor in the university of Washington medical school. And I bumped into him one time up here and he's like, what are you doing up here? I was like, what do you mean? You know, let's kind of explain what I was doing that day. And he's like, no, no, no. Why, why are you here? You should be in medical school. You should be finishing up medical school. You should be in residency right now. You should be on your career path to be a physician. You should not be here. That hurt bad. That hurt bad. Because it, it made, like, this was a guy who knew what he was talking He knew me as a student. He knew what I was capable of, but he also knew that industry. And he's like, you were built for that, not for this. You're in the wrong spot, man. And that was really, really hard to hear. And it, there was a lot of self-doubt for a long time. And there's still imposter syndrome. Like sometimes I, 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 I'm like, I can't believe we're here. You know, I can't believe we're doing this. Uh, can't believe people are inviting me on their podcast to talk about this stuff. I used to have to jump out of bushes like, hey, do you want to listen to me? <laughs> um, you know, and so it, it's come a long way. But I, I think deep down, like, it, I really wanted people to, to, to live out the best versions of themselves. But pretty early on, I realized that finance is going to be a critical piece of that. And after about five years, I was kind of over that hump starting to get my reputation um there was a little a little less fear in the world there was still plenty but it wasn't like catastrophic anymore people were a little bit more willing to trust and have conversations and and that's when i started thinking like this could really be something special and it could be something really special for the lives that we impact the people that work with me but also for my family this this business has created a phenomenal work-life balance where i spent a lot of time with my family um, and, and that's a big important thing too, is for people to know, like, what is important to them? 
that they don't sacrifice their family, their health, their faith for wealth. Because I'll tell you, and I want your audience to know too, you can be a multimillionaire, but if, but if you haven't taken care of your body, if you haven't taken care of your relationships, if you haven't taken care of your soul and your spirit, you're still not going to feel freedom. It, it, it's just going to be empty. It's going to be hollow. So I think all those things have to happen in conjunction. Um, and, but, but finance is also a critical piece because if you have great health and you have good relationships, but you don't know where your next dollar is coming from, you're 65 years old, still living paycheck to paycheck and buried by debt, it's going to be really hard to have an abundant mindset. So it, it, all of those pillars have to be in place, I believe. I want to touch on something you, you talked about imposter syndrome because uh, that's something I even my I catch myself battling with sometimes. Absolutely. Um, what what did you do to compete to 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 combat it? What did what were you what were your personal things that you were doing to help you overcome this? So, a couple of things I mentioned. I mentioned that I was homeschooled. Yeah. And there's there five of us growing up. My mom homeschooled all five of us. I'm the oldest. So I was I was the experiment, right? I was I was the the guinea pig. They're trying stuff on me. Like we're looking at each other, like we all know we don't have any clue what's going on, but we're gonna try it, right? I, I was my parents' experiment. I hope it worked out okay. But <laughs> what what my mom struggled with. So she was a nurse. She was not a teacher. She had no formal background. And she struggled with imposter syndrome. I think we all do to some degree. But one of the things that she tried to remind herself is she doesn't need to know everything about education. She just needs to stay a step ahead of her kids. That's it. And to be able to guide them and teach, teach them how to learn. So having a little bit more than your audience. And so I'd remember that, that there was so much to learn in finance and i and, it, and when i started my career i had no formal education in in finance i had a lot of practical knowledge i had a lot of practical experience but no formal education and i was so worried about what i didn't know that sometimes i forgot about what i did know i was worried about what i didn't have and i overlooked what i could give and i'd remind myself that even if even if there's a whole world out there that i still need to learn and get better at that I can, I, I still have something to give this person. I can answer a question. I can fill in a gap. It might just, it might just be a little bit of encouragement or maybe even connecting them to the right person. Maybe they're asking me a complicated estate planning question. I don't know, but I'll find the person that can answer that question. That enough, that, that little bit is often enough to be able to help them find an answer. That could be a big win for somebody. So even if somebody's struggling with, man, I don't have all the answers, that's fine. It's, it's perfectly wonderful and acceptable to tell people, I don't know, but I don't know, but I will help you find that answer. And then you commit to getting that person information that people respect that. And I, but I had to learn that the hard way to say, I don't know, but, um, and the other thing that I would say is just is showing up with excellence, showing up with the best version of me every single day and continuing to challenge myself, continuing to grow knowing that I wasn't necessarily at the standard that I wanted to be yet, but I was going to, this, this person I was sitting down with, this couple, this family, this company, whatever, I was going to give them the best version of me in that moment, but also committing 
to being better because we're we're looking at lifetime relationships so in this moment i'm going to give this person everything i have but i'm also going to commit to being better in six months in a year in two years in 10 years so i become even more valuable to them over time rather than less and i think that's really important too because you and i are both old enough to know a lot of people that are in a position they're in a job and they'll say something like i have 20 years of experience or whatever and you get to know them and you're thinking you don't really have 20 years of experience you have one year of experience 20 times like you've been doing the same hamster wheel over and over you probably they probably aren't a whole lot better than they were 5 10 15 20 years ago because they haven't they haven't challenged themselves they haven't tried anything new they haven't they haven't fallen face down and that's how we get better and i think feeling like an imposter is important because it means we're still challenging ourselves if if we feel like we've got it all figured out then we've stayed in a very small bubble in a in a comfort zone and we haven't pushed the on, but we haven't pushed the the edges of that where we do feel uncomfortable. We do feel inadequate. So I, th I think those feelings are necessary. They're super uncomfortable, but I think they're necessary because it means we're still pushing. It means we're still challenging ourselves in an area where we don't feel completely comp competent or confident. Yeah. And I agree with you on that because there's this, it's like, there's sometimes I question like, am I, Am I doing this correctly or whatever am I, whatever it is I'm trying to focus on? It, it's, but then when I when I ha have discussions with people and they're like, and I tell them what I'm going struggling with or what I'm going through, and they look at they they they, they, they seem shocked because they look at it as like, should I be watching you do your program, do your show, and everything, and you're doing great, you're doing like you, you're having some great conversations, you're interviewing this. And that's that saved me from their land. But I, I, I just for some reason it's just when I look at myself, I don't see what they see. And and but it takes time. But when you get enough people telling you the same thing over and over again, it, sometimes it, it kind of hits, and, and you realize like maybe I'm not as bad as I think I am. Well, it's sometimes it's hard to give ourselves credit, right? Because people see the finished product. Right. They see you when you're produced. They, they listen to your show. They don't see the prep work. They don't see behind closed doors. Kobe Bryant used to talk about imposter syndrome. I mean, we're talking about one of the all time greats Great, yeah. um, because they didn't see all the work and all the mistakes and all the failures. They just saw on game day one of the greatest basketball players to ever grace the planet. Um, and, you know, I mean, they, they, he lost some games and things like that. But, you know, they, they saw this polished, finished product. They didn't see all the work that happened behind closed doors. And that's where that imposter syndrome can kind of creep in. When the lights come on and the show is on, that's not the, that's not the real battle. The battle's already been fought at, the, at this point. And I just encourage you to think about it. So I'm just going to go back to my, my biochemistry. Um, we did thousands of experiments. And very rarely were we ever super committed to or married to the outcome of what those experiments were going to, to be. What we were trying to do is learn from the process. And when you talk about you know, your struggles and, and, and am I doing this right? Like, I can't even hear it in your voice. You're, you're trying to figure out how to learn from it. Like you're, you're trying something new. You're kind of bumping into some, some challenges and you're trying to figure it out. 
That's what an experiment is. The problem with a lot of people, and this is, I'm in this boat too, I just still struggle with this, is we want the outcome. And, And if the outcome doesn't turn out the way that we intended, we call it a failure. We might even call ourselves a failure. Maybe not out loud, but that little nasty voice that each one of us has, we call ourselves a failure. And I've tried, this is a lesson I'm trying to teach my kids right now, is that the only difference between failing and an experiment is coming into it with a willingness to learn or not. If you come into it with a willingness to learn, yeah, you, you hope for an outcome, but what you're really working towards is to learn from the process. That's what you want the most. If, if the outcome is great, if you have a great show, if you have a great event, if you if you put on a great party, whatever, whatever, so if you if you great you bake a great cake, awesome. What you're trying to do is learn from the process, so next time you're gonna come out of the gate just a little bit better. And I, I think one of the things that's been really good for me is creating a healthier relationship with failure and setbacks. And this is super important in investing too, because right now we're in the middle of a huge downturn. This is the this is the the most prolonged market decline since 2008, 2009. So people, some of their investments, people's 401ks are worth less now than they were a year and a half ago. That can feel like failure. But if they look at it, like, what can I learn from the process? I have to stick with it. I haven't sold anything. I still own some of the best companies in the world. It just is Muhammad Ali in the middle of his workout. This is when it hurts. This is when I have to stick with it. And I think if, if, entrepreneurs, people in general can go into a situation looking at, okay, this is what I'm going to try. I hope for this outcome, but whatever happens between here and there, I'm going to learn as much as I can that I'm going to have to regroup. I'm going to have to pivot. I'm going to have to stop, take two or three steps back before I can start forward again, but I'm going to learn the entire time. That's how people build excellence. And I think that's how we can quiet that voice, that imposter, that little voice that says, no, you're not good enough. You're not ready. You need to wait. You say, shh, no, I need to try this. I'm going to learn from it. I might not be ready, but I'll get better. I'm going to learn from this experience and I'll be better. I'll be more equipped next time because I'm not going to learn anything sitting back on the sidelines. I've got to get in the arena. I've got to get bloody, sweaty, a little bit muddy. And that's how we can quiet that voice. Awesome, man. Awesome. Man, Chad, this has been a great conversation, man. This has been awesome. Now you get the chance to uh, plug away. You get the solo screen and you let everybody know where they can find you, websites, everything. Well, best way to get a hold of us is our website. It's veritasalaska.com. Um, you can also find me on, we're on Instagram and Facebook. Our biggest social media presence is actually on LinkedIn. Just type in Chad Hufford Veritas. We're up in Alaska. You should be able to find us. And even though our website is Veritas Alaska, we have folks nationwide that we work with, um, even some internationally. But we were founded here in Alaska, so we just we kept the that name in our title. Um, but if there's something we can do to help, please reach out. All right. Thank, thank you so much, Chad. This has been great. Uh, I appreciate you coming on the show and, and sharing your story and sharing your knowledge, man. This has been awesome. Uh, don't leave just yet. Let me close out the show. And me and you chat a little bit off air. But uh, thank you once again, man. This has been awesome. Well, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. I've had, this, I really enjoy this. It's been uplifting for me. I hope it's been uplifting for you and your audience. And it's, it's an honor to have joined you today. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right. Uh, that was Chad Hufford for coming. For, 
coming through and just sharing a great topic and great conversation. I, I greatly appreciate it. But now it is time for me to close out the show. So time out, time for shout outs. Shout out to Mickey Delaney for coming through and sharing sharing the sharing the broadcast. Thank you, Mickey. I greatly appreciate it. He said hi to me and Chad earlier. Uh, shout out to everybody who stopped by. Phil Better, Cool McCain, Ben Seller for the BS3 Network, where we're airing at right now. You can download the BS3 Network on Roku. It's a Roku channel, so you can download it on uh, the Roku app. Uh, shout out to the boss lady, Fina. She's out in Wisconsin. See you this Friday. Uh, shout out to my real wise fam, Poppy J, Brandy J. Love you guys. And as always, a big, big shout out to all the essential workers out there. God bless y'all. Be safe. You know how your boy Wise does it. Peace out.